It's SD97, hey, hi, how you doing? Welcome to the Bacon Wire Podcast, episode Cinco. We have a very special guest, Kenny Goins, joining us today. Very cool of him to stop by and chat with us about his career at MSU and his first season in Italy that was unfortunately cut short by very obvious circumstances. And then we introduce our newest co-host, um, our boy Brett, joining the Bacon Wire podcast rotation. We're very excited about that. So stay tuned. Our sponsor today is My Basement. Thanks for letting me stay down here and record and edit, man. You're pretty cool. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not an assistant DA in Columbus, Ohio, I'm Spartan Dog 97. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Lucas Whitney. What's going on, man? Oh, my God. Started off with a banger. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. I mowed my lawn today. I uh, did a little bit of landscaping. Did you, did you, throw on the, uh, did you throw on the Air Monarchs or the new oh, band in the yeah. 70s? Oh, yeah. I, have a, um, I got rid of my all-white ones because I left them in my old car and they got wet somehow. So I threw those out and I went with some all-black ones, you know. The leather really protects you from the elements, and it's just it's a sick-ass dad shoe. And I'm not ashamed to say that I wear them when I mow my lawn and <laughs> do yard work. Lucas and I are, are riding a wave of pure euphoria yes. right now because we just got done interviewing Kenny Goins. Oh, um, yeah. That'll come up in a minute. Uh, this is We're recording on Sunday. Um, it was an awesome interview. Stick around. Uh, we really enjoy talking to him. I think he enjoyed talking to excuse me talking to <laughs> us um so we'll uh we'll have that for you coming up but the reason we're still recording right now is that the nfl draft just wrapped up yesterday obviously <sighs> you're not idiots uh and you know lucas and i just kind of wanted to talk about our teams and how they did um lucas is a rams fan primarily by trade right and i'm a lions fan so lucas i got a mini valeni rant uh kind of I got to gather it up unless you so go for it. Okay. So here's the thing. I know everyone wanted, wanted Quinn to trade back from three. It's a little hard to trade back from three when there's no offers and I'm not defending Quinn by any means. Okay. But when you have your owner send out a letter to your season ticket holders saying they're going to Quinn and Patricia are going to come back next year, but they need to compete. Now, what do they need to compete for? A playoff spot? A playoff win? The NFC North? No, they need to compete for playoff contention, which who knows what the fuck that means because everyone's in contention for the playoffs until you're mathematically eliminated. So when is the acceptable point to be mathematically eliminated for you to go, okay, they did a good job? So whatever. There was no danger of us taking Tua, so Miami and and the Chargers weren't going to fuck with us and try to and try to get that pick. Lucas is muted right now, so I'm just going to keep going. So here's here's how it goes. So we draft Okuda at three. Whatever, great pick. He's uh, athletic back. He's kick ass. I'm sure he'll fill in for Slade just nicely. And then in the second round, when you need some linebacker depth, you need help on the D line maybe an edge rusher. You take a fucking running back. And look, I understand. This isn't a bash of DeAndre Swift. He is 
one of the most impressive athletes I've seen come out of Georgia. Yeah. Since maybe yeah. Todd Gurley. He is, he's, he's quick. He's got moves. He hits his holes. He's a pretty good, he's a pretty good pass catcher. But that being said, if you have holes that need to be filled in your roster, those are the holes you fill. You don't draft talent unless you, unless you can. So they draft DeAndre Swift, whatever. Then in the sixth round, they draft another running back. I forget his name. I can't even – I'm not going to bother looking uh, it up. I got right. it pulled up. Uh, maybe not. Jason Huntley. Okay, they draft Jason Huntley. So now your running back room is on Johnson, Ty Johnson, Bo Scarborough, DeAndre Swift, and Huntley. Any three of those backs would be – more than serviceable. Any three. And instead you have five backs cluttering up a running back room for what? No goddamn reason. You don't take a running back before the fifth round. I don't understand what's so hard about that. You had plenty of great pass rushers available. Gross Matos from Penn State. Esperanza from Iowa. And you take fucking... You take a fucking running back. Why would you do that? And now here's the next problem. Is that in the inevitable event that college football season gets moved to February to June, that narrows the window ridiculously because you can't have the draft in April. The season will still be going on. So where do you move the draft to? July? And then when does training camp start? August? So from draft to training camp, you have a month. So you're telling me that you're going to turn over an entire coaching and scouting staff in the middle of a season? You're not. So Quinn and Patricia just fell ass backwards into another year. And the NFL season is going to get played on time regardless, right? Because they'll, they'll be able to afford testing. They'll be able to isolate. They'll be able to not play, to play in front of no fans, and they'll be fine. College can't. Unless you want the holy hammer of, legal, of the legal gods to come down on Indianapolis and the NCAA headquarters, they can't do that. So now, you, so now you're going to fire your scouts in the middle of, in the middle of their jobs when they're doing their jobs? You're not. Are you going to fire your coaching staff and have to install a new staff and who not only has to install their playbook and their schemes in front of the active roster you have now, but now in front of everyone else, all the people you draft. And then they're not even going to get the number one pick because the roster they have is probably good for four wins as is if you just let them do whatever the fuck they wanted. So what the fuck? You know, it's just, look, the Okuda pick is what it is. And I like some of the offensive line talent they picked up. All right, I do. But why are you taking two running backs in a draft where you need zero? 
It wasn't a position of need. You needed edge rushers. You needed safety help. You needed linebacker depth. We could have used some, you know, we got Quintez Cephas. I guess that, you know, whatever, he was found not guilty. So it yeah. is what it is. But we'll just skip that for now. You know, so much for we're not going to draft anyone who doesn't, who has, who doesn't have, who has character problems. So if you're the person I'm most mad at in this scenario is Martha. Because Martha could have decided at the end of last season, she could have decided, okay, Bob, Matt, you have my full support. You can do whatever you feel is best for the team going forward, right? She could have done that. And then maybe Quinn decides, you know what? $45 million in dead cap is a lot, but it's only one year. And then you try to trade Stafford. Mm-hmm. Or you go, you know what? You guys ain't worth shit. You're fired, and then you start over with the new regime again. But at least there's, you know, a culture change, and with that culture change, teams get scared and they're willing to overpay for a pick if you think they're going to take their guy. But instead, what she does is she basically sends out a letter to season ticket holders who, if you're a season ticket holder for the Detroit Lions, you're going to buy season tickets no matter fucking what. Yeah, you're, if you're you, there for the if, no. you're, if you continue to buy Lions season tickets, I have, a bridge, I have a bridge to sell you. You're part of the problem. Yeah. You know, when I, the, school, the school I went to was only one floor, and we used to try to sell freshman elevator passes. <laughs> right? Those are the kind of people who the kind of people who bought elevator passes in high school are now lion season ticket holders. I just don't it's just so I'm so fed up with Martha Ford. I am so fucking fed up with her. And I'm fed up with Bob Quinn and I'm fed up with Matt Patricia. But they're gonna be around for two years because they're not gonna be able to get rid of them in in time for the extremely short window they're going to have before the next NFL draft. So we're stuck. We're stuck with them. That's basically what it is. We're stuck with them going forward. And, you know, however this year turns out, we're not going to get the number one pick, so we're not going to be able to take Trevor Lawrence. And whoever in the number trade, but who – And whichever team is going to get the number one pick isn't going to want to do that because they're probably intentionally tanked for Trevor Lawrence. Right. So, you know, we're in the sixth, seventh range, right? There are other good quarterbacks that are going to be available next year. Justin Fields is going to be a really good NFL quarterback. Are we going to be able to get in range to draft Justin Fields? Probably not. Because we'll probably be sitting at seven or eight. Justin Fields is going to go top five. So who the fuck, what the fuck are we going to do? You know, it's just so, I'm so fucking fed up. I'm so fucking fed up. I, I feel your pain. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, like I said, I, I, I root for the Lions because of my father-in-law. So, and, but I'm not trying to bash him, but he's, he's just one of those people who says, trust Patricia and trust Quinn. And I'm kind of the one saying after a point, when do you start to not trust them? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting nervous that they're just like, they're signing these former Patriots, which is fine. I mean, you want to get people you're familiar with, but 
I'm, I did not like this draft. I'm just staring at it right now. I like drafting linemen because Stafford needs some help in that area. And the wide receiver is fine. But like I said, DeAndre Swift's a great running back, but he shouldn't be a lion. He should, he should have been a first-round pick somewhere else. And, and Go ahead. And I'm going to keep going. So, yeah, go so here's <laughs> you're, for, for those who can't see, it's bad radio, but he's just got his head held high. He's just staring at the gods of football right so now. Here, here's, what, here's what I don't understand, right? And maybe someone who's smarter than me can explain it. Is that like if you go back and you look at the running back room of other winning teams, right? You'll see that there's not one first round pick on there. You know, you have Gurley. Gurley's the only one, and guess what? He was fucking hurt. And like, look at the position. Look at the position the Rams were in. They had to pay Gurley, and he broke down. The Cowboys had to pay Zeke. He's eventually going to break down. Now look at how successful the 49ers were. The 49ers had three different 500-yard rushers. You can get it done with the cheap rotation. I just don't, yeah. I don't understand why, why teams keep overvaluing that position. It's more or less, it's more or less irrelevant. I just don't, I don't fucking get it. I don't understand why more teams don't follow what the Denver Broncos did back uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s. I mean, Shanahan invested the shit out of the offense, out of the offensive line, had big ass motherfuckers, and anyone could could go behind them and rush for a thousand yards easy. Right. They could put one of us back there, and our, you know, I, I, you know, if I was in 20, 23 years old in my prime, I could rush for a thousand yards behind the Broncos. Ol. Like they need pe- more people need to realize you can do that in a rotation type of thing. You can switch out linemen, you can switch out running backs, and I like I agree. I don't see why more people are not see- seeing what the Forty ers did and go, okay, there's the plan. Right, like the Lions went two years without a hundred yard rusher, without a game, without an individual who got a hundred rushing yards, yeah. and it wasn't because of the players they had. It was because the old line was porous. Dog shit. And I'm glad they're repairing it, but it's just right. like and here's the thing, right? It's like the Detroit Lions are probably one of the more hopeless situations in the NFL. Because you have a quarterback who, you know, I love Stafford. I love everything he's done for the city. You know, I love all that him and his wife are doing for first responders. He's a fucking you know, awesome quarterback. He's an awesome quarterback. He's an awesome guy. But he's on year 11. He just, he's getting over a broken back. And you fucking, you know, you draft him line help, but you don't, you got him. Quintez Cephas, who's, you know, a decent wide receiver, but is he a decent wide receiver because everyone was so keyed in on Jonathan Taylor? He was, he was facing single coverage. What happens when that's not the case? Yeah. And, Interesting. and you know, the league's worst defense, right? 
the mad rocket scientist, defensive guru, pencil behind the ear. Oh, you know, started on the pencil, and he, and he had the league's worst defense. I don't understand how this dude still has a fucking job. I just don't see when you know when when I watched that Super Bowl when he his last game as a Patriots DC. You know, I'm I'm sitting there because you know everyone and their mother knew he's the next Lions coach. It wasn't official, but you know sources were saying all that shit. Um, and I'm sitting there watching that Super Bowl, and they're getting. I think the Eagles put what 51, 52 points on the board. Yeah. And I know it's you know you can't look at one game and and judge a man's career because he's had some brilliant Super Bowl performances. But that really alarmed me if I'm a Lions fan. Like, I messaged my father-in-law. Like, he was watching it, and I'm going, are you sure this is the guy you want to coach your team? Because I'd be having a second thought right now about making him a, a formal offer. Yeah, I just don't. That was alarming. I just don't. <laughs> You're so, you rode like, that high wave, and now it's just gone. Thank God. Thank God the Packers took Jordan Love. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and you know, it's not like if I had to put him on a letter grade, I'd probably give the Lions like a B minus or a C plus. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't horrible. But like, if you need to win, you should be having an A plus draft. Right. That's your whole your your the future of your job existence depends on you drafting well and drafting impact players. Now, whether or not DeAndre, you know, DeAndre Swift could be an impact player, but. He's going to be in the backfield running. He's not a, he's not a particularly good blocking running back. So I don't really understand why, why you drafted him 35th overall. He can pass decent. He can pass catch decently, but he works best from scrimmage. So I don't understand why you, why you drafted a guy, you know, of such low value. I mean, you could have, you could have gotten them. In the, you could have gotten someone just as good in the third or fourth round. I just don't. I just don't get it. Like <laughs> I said, Lions running back taken too. He was the second. Clyde Edwards, Elair Otto. Clyde Edwards. That's right. Yeah. But he went. He went to a team. Um, where did he go? Chiefs, I thought. Right. Let me look. Yeah, he went to the Chiefs. Yeah, they're a defending Super Bowl champion. So like they don't they didn't need to fill any they didn't really need it need to fill anything. They just, you know, they had that pick. They took the best the the player they thought was the best one available. So that's you know, that's how I feel. Um Lucas, do you want to talk about the Rams a little bit? Um, I'm I'll just touch on it because I know I'm the only person who cares about them. Um, I know we, in our group chat, we were all rooting, like if the Lions were going to pick, you know, Kenny or, or, you know, Raekwon, we were rooting for the Rams to do it just because we have solidarity as a group of bacon wire. Um, I don't know what to think. Um, last season really disappointed the fuck out of me because I thought that Rams team was good enough to repeat as maybe not NFC champions, but at least win the division. On paper, you know, you had all the tools. I thought Gurley would have a rebound year, and he didn't. And I think part of that is is Sean McVay kind of forgot how to use him or 
maybe was afraid to use him. I think he got skittish after Gurley was getting hurt a lot, which is understandable. Um, I like the Cam Akers pick, you know, running back from Florida State, second round. Um, I thought he was a pretty good, pretty decent running back. I like I like it. You know, they had no first-round picks. So they traded them all. Um, I don't know what this franchise is going to do, you know, with all this young talent. You know, I like Terrell Lewis. Um, I like that they kind of – they balanced it because they only had six picks as far as I rem- – no, they had more. Um, but they kind of balanced it. They would go like a little bit of offense and a little bit of defense. Back to offense, defense. Like they kind of see what's value in the round. And I, I like the way they drafted. And I, you know, I, I think it's, I think they're going to be okay. But man, you know, I still, I still regret them giving Jared Goff that big contract extension. And the Todd Gurley money, I'm sure it's going to hurt them for a while. Because I think they still, they still owe him because I know they haven't paid him. <laughs> um, I I give it a B plus, you know, but there's so much new stuff happening. Like Sean McVay's not calling the plays anymore. It's going to be an actual offensive coordinator, and I forget his name. And there's a defensive coordinator too, so I I forget that name, and I'm 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 not good with my analysis right now. But um, I don't know what to do. The new logo sucks. The draft's okay. So we'll just we'll see what happens. I just want an NFL season. But this, but last year left a really sour taste in my mouth after what I thought should have been a Super Bowl winning season. That's all. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think at least your guys have, you know, have a young, exciting coach who you know can win. Right. Yeah. Right. He, and you know, golf. Goff did regress last year, but I don't. I think regret. I think saying I think that Goff regressed puts it puts it lightly. But the whole team kind of regressed, and you know yeah. that kind of what happens. That kind of what happens after you go to a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I I was a little cocky and thinking it wouldn't happen, but you know that's just what happened. I think when it really sank in for me that this wasn't going to be a decent season or I mean nine and seven still decent most you know middle of the pack teams will take that but um you know especially coming off 11 and 5 and 13 and 3 you're thinking okay you know maybe just get around 10 11 wins but no I don't think anyone really expected the 49ers to kind of blow up like they did I know they had a really good team um but you know I think the whole team just just regressed last year like it was it's that Super Bowl hangover and I should have really been more cautious of it um, when it happened, as opposed to just me thinking, oh, they're they're not susceptible to it, but everyone is, no matter what. And I, you could kind of say the Patriots had a Super Bowl hangover last year, even though they still made the playoffs. They look, I think, the whole season they look nothing like they did the year before. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we've kept the people waiting long enough. So, why don't you say we? Why don't you say we get into the interview? Yeah, let, this was really fun. It uh, it. It was about a week from start to finish, but we made it to that point. You know, life kind of is weird now for everybody, and family comes first always, but especially now. And we were just very grateful for Kenny to even make 15, 20 minutes of time for us. He was very nice, and it was just a really cool interview, and I was very, very, very excited to talk to him. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait the whole day. Yeah, so here's Kenny Goins. Uh, we now welcome on a very special guest, 
Uh, he's a former MSU basketball player and a current uh, member of Pallacanestro Trapiani. I know I just butchered that. In uh, Italy, it's Kenny Goins. How are you doing? Hell yeah. Doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, how's, uh, how's quarantine going for you? Probably about as good as it gets, man. It's just boring <laughs> sitting at home every day, all day. Yeah. Trying to work out. Yeah, I'm I'm getting back to work this week. I'm kind of excited. So um the uh first question we wanted to ask you was um, you know, um are you prepared to defend the bad boy slander that's gonna go on tonight? We're recording this on Sunday, parts three and four of the last dance, and we're pretty sure there's gonna be bad boy slander on Twitter. Are you prepared to Oh yeah, to fire. I'm sure it is, man. For people that aren't familiar with the bad boys, uh, you know, it's going to look ugly tonight, I think. Especially <laughs> highlighting how treated uh, Jordan coming through the paint. But growing up around Detroit, you know, that's all they talked about was bad boys and, you know, no easy buckets, all that stuff. So yeah. I'm expecting it to be pretty rough. But, you know, you know I'm a rock with the Pistons regardless. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Lambeer won't come off like an asshole at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might. They might put that on the whole team, though. So, um, the first question I kind of wanted to ask you, besides the bad boys, one is, um, you know, you kind of you went on the beat and you talked about how um, kind of this whirlwind process you had to get back home from Italy. Um, my first, you know, my first. Uh, I kind of wanted to know like what the timeline was like from, okay, like, I think we can wait this out to like, we got to get home. Oh man. Um, You know, I'm not super specific on dates, but we had had our last game of the season was the first of March. And then after that, they suspended play for our season. Hadn't canceled the season for good, but um, just like suspended play for you know, the foreseeable future. And at that point, guys from the northern teams, Milan, places that it was, you know, a little more dangerous, a lot of the Americans had already left and already made the trip back home. Where I was, you know, was no real threat for the virus, nothing like that. So we, uh, you know, I decided to stay out. I think it was two and a half weeks before I had even really thought about coming home. And I think about halfway through that second week, you know, I questioned why I was even here. You know, I'm not practicing, not playing. And it didn't really look like it was going to be getting better or at least good enough for us to resume play. So right about then I started really talking to my agent and, you know, talking with the president of our team and just kind of starting the conversation about what they thought was best. And I think from probably – that two and a half weeks, by the end of that week, I probably had made the decision that, you know, uh, I'm going to head home. So probably around that Sunday of three weeks, I made the decision to head back. And then I think it was Thursday we had our fl- uh, I had my flight from the island of Sicily to Rome. And then Friday, Rome, landing back in Detroit, finally Saturday night. So... <laughs> And I, how intense was like that? Oh shit! Did I forget my wallet? Moment. <laughs> Whatever you travel like that, like did I leave the water running? Yeah. Did I lock my door? Like how intense was that? Like, God damn. Yeah, well, luckily, luckily I didn't have to worry about you know refrigerator open or anything like that because it didn't seem like I was going back. But you know, between three different flights and I think I had eight bags. I had a mask on, two different coats, just trying to get all my stuff home. 
I was I was very little like uh, knowledge of what was going on. You know, wasn't really worried about what I was forgetting. I was just ready to get off the planes. You'd be done with traveling and be you know relaxing. Yeah, I can't I can't even imagine. Um, so I'm a little curious about like the international signing process. You know, when you when you finished your career at MSU, did an agent kind of kind of come up to you, approach you, and say, "Hey, I." you know, I think you have potential to play overseas or is that something that you kind of, that you kind of sought out yourself? No, I think uh, for most players that make it to, it's usually the age of reaching out to you, um, you know, whenever that might be. For me, I was lucky enough that the agent that I chose had presented the, uh, our GA at the time, Chris Fowler who, you know, I was really cool with. He was actually my recruiting, uh, like I stayed with him on my recruiting visit at Central, so I had known him for years and years. And by the time it came to that, you, I, um, he actually put me in contact with his agency and then, you know, they just ended up being the best fit for me. But yeah, they, they reached out to me, got everything set up from summer league to playing overseas, all that. Yeah. And uh, when you first got there, what was like your first like culture shock? Like, oh, I'm not in America anymore moment. Uh, uh, one of the first days I got there, we like my team had invited me to go to the beach and, you know, it was cool and everything. Go out there four hours, five hours and just trying to get accustomed to not understanding what most people were saying for, you know, 95% of the day. But I think what really got me was that, like, as it started to get later in that first day, I was, um, they, they were talking about just, like, going out, you know, later in the night, whatever, like, hanging out through the night. And I was like, yeah, let me go home, get changed, you know, eat, eat whatever. And like, what do you mean? Like, it's here right now. At the beach, like, uh, private resort that we were at, it was just, like, a little private area. But within uh, two hours or three hours, whatever, I had been there, they set up, like, a stage closer to the front. And, like it just turned from a beach club to like a nighttime club and it was just something that doesn't seem to happen too much in america like that <laughs> no there's no there's no such thing as a pregame. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's 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 all going out uh, out there and you know they don't have a good time for sure yeah and uh did you ever i know you you tweeted about this a lot did you ever you ever find a decent taco or were you just kind of SOL until you got back? Yeah. Not, not out in Italy. <laughs> um, they do, they do Italian food, you know, is one of the best in the world, but outside their food, they don't do it very well. <laughs> the, uh, food, Mexican food, American food, decent, but that's really just burgers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I kind of want to uh, back up and talk about your career at MSU. You know, you started um, there as a walk on and, what was the thing that set MSU over the top over places where you might've had a scholarship to play that made you decide I'm going to walk on here and I'm going to, I'm going to pay my dues and see what happens. Um, you know, just being a Michigan State fan all my <laughs> life really, really helped. But um, at the end of the day, I think my parents being as supportive as they were, you know, Regardless, my dad, we're not the well-off, most well-off family, but my dad was, you know, always about, don't worry about the money. If this is where you want to be, you know, we'll figure it out together, which he helped me tremendously with that. But I also just think, like, the family atmosphere. Um, 
like I said, I was a fan all my life. But when I got there and just realizing how close the guys were, how how uh, it really was fighting for your brother. And it was just a different level than anywhere else I had ever seen, ever really experienced being on teams and stuff. And that was just from the outside looking in. So being able to actually be a part of that was just, it really is something special and draws a lot of guys to come to MSU. Yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot of players talk about is that once you're here, you're in it for in it for family, and that's something that um, doesn't really change. That hasn't really changed a whole lot since Coach Izzo took over. Right. So, um, you know, from your junior to your senior year, you kind of you kind of grew up a lot. Your points per game went up from two to eight. Um, you know, you had a lot of double digit games and you were really crucial in that February stretch, um, towards the regular season title. What, what did you, what did you work on in the off season to kind of get you ready to make that jump? Um, I think going into the year, it was, uh, it was obvious that Cassius was going to be, you know, the point guard runner of the team and, uh, like I had mentioned, Chris Fowler earlier, he was also a hell of a, a passer at Central Michigan. I think he might be that league's all-time assist leader, if I'm not mistaken. But he, he came into that summer, really had stressed, you know, we're going to have an inside presence between Nick X, you know, there was going to be a uh, pain presence. So I had to be able to spread the floor. And pretty much all summer we worked on pick pop, picking pop spot ups you know just stretching the floor and giving space for Cassius to work on a pick and roll or x to work in the paint nick to work in the paint it was just really all about trying to feed off of the players we had and i think that's another reason that we all melded so well was we worked on you know kind of conforming to the strengths of others and it was a whole summer summer's worth of work but it, it obviously made something special yeah, um, it was it was a fun team to follow because it was just everyone was so un, unselfish. You know, everyone was sharing the ball, getting, you know, very um, – it was kind of like the perfect, perfect vision of what Tom Izzo basketball is. Um, you know, you're, you're a top 25 rebounder in Big Ten history. Uh, you have exactly 500 rebounds. Um, as a member of MSU basketball, where the culture there is kind of rebound, get out to the fast break. Like, is that like a cool achievement to have under your belt? Yeah, I mean, that was the first time I had even heard that. And <laughs> <laughs> we could provide um, something new. Yeah, yeah. Learn something new every day. But, um, yeah, that's, that's really cool to hear. But, um, <laughs> you know, looking back, it doesn't seem like I ever would have <laughs> the way coaches made it feel during games seemed like I, I was never rebounding. So, <laughs> but that's that's just the type of person he is. He's gonna push you past your limit twofold, you know. So, wow, that's a, that's a crazy, uh, crazy stat that I never knew. Yeah, I think you're number twenty three out of twenty five. I think you're either twenty two or twenty three. Right. I can't remember the exact number, but the 500 stood out to me like, okay, this will be an easy one to remember when I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. Right on the money. Um, so I wanted to talk real quickly about the shot. Um, I know um, you've talked a lot about it. So I just wanted to kind of know what was going through your mind at that moment. You know, you, there was a timeout, 
you know, what was, what was everyone saying? Like, what was the, what was kind of the atmosphere in the huddle like before that? Um, well, I don't know if you remember. I think Zion uh, had scored right before that on me. So going into that yeah. huddle was not looking too hot for me. <laughs> Coaches had uh, a few nice things to say to me about that, but I was just like, you know, I, I kind of, being a senior, you're able to say a little more than you are, uh, more than an underclassman. And just, uh, you know, I, I got through to him, was like, we got to keep going, you know, on to the next play. And once we finally sat down, he told us we were running. And I remember him saying, like, you're supposed to throw the lob tags, but <laughs> it was just like at that moment in time, it was like going through every option of the play in your mind. And it was like all trying to think of just positive outcomes, and, um, you know, like a visualize and then do. And uh, once we stepped down to the floor, you know, it just seemed like another basketball play. You know, everyone talks about adrenaline being going through the roof, but that was, you know, 30-some games into the year and five years into a career. So it was just another play at the end of the day. And I just remember when I shot the – or when I was getting ready to shoot, I just kept thinking, you better not miss because if you miss, that's not, you know – I didn't think that if I made it, it would be remembered forever. I just kept thinking, oh, if you miss, it will be remembered forever. <laughs> that so. shot went through. I, My wife just got back from being with her family because I told her, you know, you might not want to be around me. Not that I'm going to be, like, angry, angry, but I'm like, I'm just going to be, you know, if they win, I'm going to be crazy. If they lose, I'm going to be bummed out. And she came back right when – X had that and one dunk over, I think, DeLaurier. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Like a minute or two after that, or before that, before your shot. And I about fell off the couch when that happened because it started to sink in. <laughs> this is going to happen. I just knew it. And then when when your shot drained, you know, nothing but net, I about fell on the floor and fainted for like <laughs> five, ten seconds. <laughs> I – my sister was playing softball up in Saginaw and I was in a Saginaw Applebee's. It was dead. It was dead except for me and my dad and my sister. And I, I thought I was about to get kicked out. I thought I, I, thought I was like, I was liable to, to get kicked out of a Saginaw Applebee's. So. I think that was one of the coolest things for uh, last, I think it was a couple of weeks. Uh, Michigan State did like uh, – their Twitter did like post your reactions and yeah, oh yeah, that was one of the coolest things I had seen. Yeah, like just so, being able to see everyone around, right. like how they all reacted. Could you tell? I was curious to ask someone about this. Could you tell when uh, you're about to inbound the ball to when Cash gets the ball to run out the clock? Did did you kind of see X make that gesture with his eyes in the side of his mouth, or were you just kind of just in yeah. a bait? I did. Everyone, everyone, know, everyone talks about that play, but if you realize I'm wide open in the middle of the floor. Oh, yeah. I'd... Yeah, no one peeps. I, I got open in the middle of the floor. Don't, I'm not hating, but that's just like another thing going back to the summer, something that, you know, we might not have ever even worked on. It was just like that we had worked so much together. Right. That. Yeah. It was just, you know, it was a feel for each other. It was natural instincts, and even in one of the most high situations. 
So you, uh, you mentioned growing up an MSU fan, like that first time you got chewed out by Coach Izzo, where you like, was it like some part of you was like, this is really cool. <laughs> Made it. Yeah, like I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I think the first time it's really cool and then it gets real old real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of curious about this. Does, does everyone who plays uh, for Coach Izzo kind of have like an impression, like kind of how everyone who's on SNL has like a Lauren Michaels impression? Absolutely. Everyone's got a different impression and some people do it more than others, but I'm sure I've heard everyone in, in the locker room at least do one is impression. Do you have a quick one you want to bust out or? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm I'm going I'm to save my good graces right now. <laughs> Try Hey, you know, you're already out. You, you don't want to blow any brownie points. <laughs> right, right. Let's leave a good taste in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Plus. So um, I'm kind of curious about this. Um, if and when, um, you know, if and when the world decides to stop ending, um, <laughs> when, um, you know, what's your timeline like for returning to Italy? Are you, are you going to return? Uh, I don't really know what the deal is for me uh, for next season right now because I signed a one-year deal. Um, but based on everything that's happening right now in the world, I'm guessing Italy's probably my best place to go back and play. But like you said, it's kind of just question mark for if and when what happens. Yeah, and what are what's like your regimen, your workout regimen right now? Now that you're now that you're just kind of at home. I mean. You only, you know, you have a hoop, I'm assuming, but yeah, other than that, what are some hoop, of the things you're doing? Yeah, just trying to shoot around and, you know, I've been doing a lot of, like, just ab workouts, like calisthenics, stuff that you can do on low weight, but, it, you know, gets enough because I don't have a real fancy home gym or anything, but, right. uh, you know, I'm hoping that maybe sometime soon, like you said, I can make it up to East Lansing to start working out in the gym there and stuff just it is not easy for anyone right now trying to stay in shape and especially for athletes that are still at a lower level that don't have these crazy you know opportunities to just get it in at home it's it's you know you gotta just do whatever it takes so like you said I got a hoop but not the best still out there shooting still out there trying to work like just do whatever I can to stay somewhat in shape right now yeah that's that's good on you because i haven't done i haven't done shit so <laughs> it's hard yeah, to stay motivated right really now. really hard yeah yeah so it's just kind of hard um like i've just been snacking a lot do you have like a go-to snack when you're just like you know i don't really i'm i'm gonna go for it go-to I don't know if I got to go to. I'm just a really, I'm a big fan of the snacks in general. So, you know, I'm always in the kitchen trying to stay out right now because it's starting to. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to add up a bad. little bit. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely into just any type of snack, mostly chips, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. So, um, Kenny, this was, this was awesome. Yeah. Um, this was thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a great time. Uh, you know, do you have anything you want to talk about? Plug whatever. No, I just uh, appreciate the opportunity. Um, appreciate the support, everything, and uh, just hope you guys are staying safe. You know, staying positive. We're trying.
Yeah, we're yeah, uh, we're we're gonna keep trying. So uh, thanks again for coming on. This was awesome. Thank you very I appreciate much. Appreciate it. Yep. Oh, a massive thank you to Kenny Goins for joining us. That was awesome. I mean, I don't know how we did. I guess we'll get feedback later, but we sure didn't fangirl out, and I'm pretty fucking proud of us for not doing that. Right. So we now welcome on um, a member of the Bacon Wire Board of Directors, Brett. Uh, we decided to change it up a little bit here at the Bacon Wire Podcast. Brett is now our new co-host. We're going to be running three-man pods for uh, for the foreseeable future. So everyone, give Brett a round of applause here. Welcome, Brett, to the. Brett, you want to tell the people are going wild? Do you want to tell the people a little bit about yourself? I know that you have a reputation as a top five toxic MSU Twitter account. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the reputation I've gained. Um, <laughs> because before I kind of joined MSU Twitter, I just kind of rolled under the radar. But now I guess, I mean, it's only towards certain people who really just ask for it. I think we know the main suspect. <laughs> I think we know the suspects. One of them maybe in, I, yeah. I mean, we got Greg Henson, Scott Bell, Sleeping Beauty. So we, we, they, they asked for it. Yeah. Uh, Brett, we're really happy to have you. And, uh, you know, I think, I think this is going to take the pod to another level that in our potential interview with president Stanley, that I got an automatic reply to. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) So his email email might be a little full with, uh, some other items. Yeah. So we'll see something going on. Yeah. You know, (laughs) epidemiologists don't really have anything to do right now. So (laughs) he should get back to me pretty quickly. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Last time you were on the pod, we did a segment I think I called Pitch Room. I played the Shark Tank music because I can't make my own music. So Spartan Dog 97, when you're editing this pod, put the Shark Tank music in right here. All right. I'm going to recommend a show to you guys. At any point, you don't want to hear about it anymore. You can just say, I'm out. I'll give Lucas time to get off his uh, Barbara impression real quick. I like your product. I don't like you, but I'll still give it a listen. Okay. All right. So (laughs) this is a reality show. It's not one of those newfangled Netflix reality shows. It is a member of one of the Royal families of reality television. I'm talking folks about the bachelor presents. Listen to your heart. Lucas just rolled his eyes, but listen, I understand that the bachelor and bachelorette aren't for everybody. I, I get it right. You don't want to see a bunch of vapid Instagram influencers fight (laughs) over the right to get engaged for eight months and then publicly break up and try to use that to pimp some tea or whatever. I get that. But one of the better parts of bachelor nation, as it's called is a little show called bachelor in paradise. And the concept of that show is that 20 people from, from Bachelor, Bachelorette shows from the past and present all go to this resort in Mexico and get drunk and fuck each other for 10 weeks. It's incredible. Mm. And they keep introducing new people every week until it gets down to like the final eight or whatever. And each week, like one week, the men will give out the roses. One week, the women will. So, 
they took some of that concept and presented it and kind of rolled it into listen to your heart. So the first two episodes, you got to know the contestants. Uh, they started hooking up with each other. And then week two, they introduced three new women because it was the men's turn to give out the roses. And then, and then this week, everyone was pretty much paired up. And then it just turned into the voice. So the twist to listen to your heart is that it's part bachelor, part singing competition. And they're all legitimately good singers. And the drama is as always excellent. So I know people don't like the bachelor. I know it carries a certain je ne sais quoi about it, but I promise you this, this show is worth it. I'm all in. Give it, give it a shot. It's on ABC. They're streaming on Hulu. Lucas, what do you think? Uh, I, uh, I despise the bachelor. <laughs> like, I know I shouldn't say despise it. I just have never been able to get into reality shows um, outside of when Survivor first kind of launched the whole platform or, you know, genre back in the early 2000s or whenever the hell it came out. I was a kid, but it sounds interesting enough. It might be something that my wife and I could could watch together, like as some trash reality TV type. You know, she likes to watch that stuff, and I don't. So maybe I'll give it a shot with her. You know, something something for us to to watch together. I would give it a shot. It's it's really good. All right, so <clears throat> let's get down to business now. Earlier today, Rocket Watts tweeted two eyeball emojis no other context available there's rumblings that Izzo believes that Tillman and Langford are coming back folks oh what do you what do we think you imagine what do you think Brett you know what when I first saw I mean first of all I absolutely love Rocket Watts I think he might be the coolest Michigan State athlete we've had probably since Le'Veon Bell. And, I mean, he might be in the running for, like, my all-time GOAT. It's just, mm. I mean, the guy's just awesome. So when he, he tweeted that out, I mean, he, he's plugged in. I mean, he's best friends with different recruits, um, whether they're coming into NCAA next year or two years. I know he's real close with Damani Bates. So when he tweeted that out, first thing I'm thinking is potentially he knows a recruit's going to a, a rival school. But then I kind of started thinking that since we know the waiver, the one-time waiver fee is going to be waived, uh, and that's going to be voted on May 20th, I speculate that Rocket Watts is in communication with some type of uh, high-level player at a university who is considering making the move to Michigan State. I know some of the speculation in regards to uh, Tillman and Langford coming back or that Izzo hasn't really been that aggressive in the grad transfer market. I mean, he never really has been, right. but with the glaring need at point guard, I mean, I think we all believe Rocket Watts can handle some of the responsibility, but at the same time, if you get an elite level guard to take over that position that can match 70, 80% of Cassius Winston's production, you move into that title contention. And that's even without Langford and Tillman coming back. So I think Rocket Watts is working the phones, uh, sort of like an ambassador to the Michigan State basketball brand. I like it. I 
I'm just I my head kind of exploded when I saw the eyeball emojis and part of me's like okay maybe he knows about Amani but I don't I don't know if Amani would give that away right now um but I'm still of the opinion that if he doesn't go G League he's coming to MSTU. I think that's pretty much the consensus. It's not trying to speculate. I think that's pretty much known unless all of a sudden someone like Bill Self drops the bag, you know what I mean? <laughs> um but it, I, I really instantly thought he knows someone's coming back. That's what I think. I think, I think X is coming back. I really – I think that that's my, my speculation, like I said in our chat. I'm probably going to be wrong in like a week or two, but I think X <laughs> is coming back. I think he, he knows something's going on with our team. I think he knows X is coming back. I think that – I know that earlier – Yesterday, two days ago, Henny declared. Aaron Henry declared for the NBA draft. Yeah, like late Sunday or something. Late Sunday, like right before the deadline. Yeah. But he's going to stay eligible. He's, gonna, he's not signing with an agent, period, even though you can do that and stay eligible. He's not signing with an agent. So that tells me that he just wants a grade. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to make this the episode of the SD97 episode of the SD97 rants because I went on a, I went on a tirade against Bob Quinn pre-interview. Oh, <laughs> but, well-deserved. Well-deserved. <laughs> um, you know, I just think that – I think that every draft-eligible player should get a grade without leaving. So hear me out. Obviously, there needs to be some kind of infrastructure partnership with the – NBA and NCAA. I'm not sure how it works right now, but I think that every player who is draft eligible should go, all right, where am I at? Right? So they can make an informed decision without like having to leave. Right? Because there are players like Zion who know they're going top five, top three, number one, where they don't need that. But there are a lot of players like Aaron Henry like Nick Ward, even though I think Nick Ward was just doing it to piss off Izzo. <laughs> um, I, you know, who need that kind of, who need to know where they're at. And I think, I think it's a no-brainer to do that without having to declare and having to go through this process, right? At the end of the season, they should get a piece of paper sent to them that goes, you're a mid-second round pick. Here's what you can do to improve. Right, or maybe yeah. their coaches get it, and the coaches can tell them. I just I don't understand. I don't understand the way the system works in the NBA. And maybe I'm just an idiot. It's probably because I'm just an idiot. But to me, it seems like a no-brainer that one, everyone should get one transfer, no questions asked, wherever they want to go. Fine. And two, after every season, a player who wants a draft grade can seek it out without, without declaring. Yeah. Right? And then that way you can, go one, you can go back to once you're declared, you're out. Because you're obviously happy with your grade, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that would quell a lot, of the, a lot of the panic within fan bases. I'm not sure how, how much sense it makes for the NCAA to implement something like that. But I just think, I just think that's an easier way to go about it. If everyone 
who's draft eligible got a grade, right? Now, obviously, there are people who are like Ed Albion who, you know, probably not going to get drafted, but they should still be able to, you know, seek it out if they want without having to declare. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind Aaron Henry declaring for the draft or, you know, exploring the option. You know, you're not getting paid right now to be an MSU. You need to explore it because you never know if the NBA comes back and says, you're going to get drafted, I guarantee it. And then that changes the dynamic of, of this decision. But I, th- I think he's coming back. He's, he's got the body. He's got the skills. Or he's got the potential. He's, he's developing. Um, I think he took some steps forward this year. I don't think he took as many leaps as he probably should have from uh, freshman to sophomore year. But I really I, – I, I saw the announcement. I just kind of went, oh, okay. And then I just said, well, you know, you got to do what's best for you and your family. We don't know his situation. Um, no matter what, I'll support him. But I'd be completely stunned if he went pro. It, it, it reminds me – not to the extreme, but uh, Marcus Taylor way back in the day who went pro and probably now could have taken advantage of what we have now where he could have signed an agent, explored the avenues, and then come back possibly. Because I remember Izzo was pretty stunned that he left too. Yeah, and I just, you know, this is a bigger – this is kind of a bigger structural issue with the NCAA. It just – I just don't understand, right? Like, like I can go to a job fair, right? And I can hand someone a resume and they can tell me what I need to improve on in order to get hired without having to, without having to leave, without saying I'm leaving school to explore my professional options. So I just don't understand if they're student athletes, I just used air quotes, that they should be that they have to say I'm leaving school and then go never mind I'm coming back that doesn't make sense to me but my right. brain's my brain's wired all fucked up so I don't know no I don't think that's really fair to the athletes or the university or the team for a player to kind of have to go through that awkward process because I'm sure I mean Aaron Henry knows he has a general idea of where his draft stock probably is which is probably undrafted at this point based on what we've seen what we probably know um, so I think it's probably a little bit awkward of a situation for him to go to his teammates, coaches, friends, family, and say, hey, I'm going to go through the draft process. I'm not sure if I'm going to be back. So I think, I think your idea that each draft-eligible player would get a grade throughout the year and kind of give them a barometer of where they would fall, it, I mean, it's a brilliant idea. It's, it's almost too common sense for the NCAA to adapt just because they yeah. try to make everything as difficult and rigorous and just oh. awkward as possible. So, I mean, I think that's definitely a potential solution. And I think that, I I think even potentially what we could see is guys after a year in college or two years, if they kind of have like a a flexible draft grade where it's kind of on the fringe of a second round undrafted, that's where that G League could really come in and help guys develop for that extra year if they don't think they're going to get that in college. Because not everybody gets to be coached by uh, Mike Krzyzewski or uh, John Calipari, Tom Izzo, these elite coaches that can really push them to become a 10-year pro in the NBA. So I think that's that's kind of where we're looking for in the future is some sort of combination of a, a rolling grade process throughout the season 
as well right. as the potential for guys to go to the G League. Like yeah, I think. Every... Sorry, Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I think the G League is going to fuck a lot of shit up within the NCAA. Oh, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. That, I'm not sure what the ownership situation is between G League teams and, and NBA teams. I know that Raptors 905, the Raptors G League affiliate, is owned by um, the owner of the Raptors. But I know that the owner of the Grand Rapids Drive the Pistons G League affiliate isn't Tom Gores. It's a different dude. Which is probably why the development's been pretty good over the last couple of years. Right. I mean, but, you, look at, you look at players like Fred Van Vliet, who, you know, were decent in college, but now they come, mm-hmm. now they spend a couple of years in the G League and become killers. And, you know, if the, if the NBA is serious about developing the G League into something that can compete with the NCAA for both talent and from a development perspective, you know, I think that I think that the NCAA should be worried about something like that. You know, um, not everyone will not everyone will take it seriously. Dolan won't, Sarver won't, but I think Gore's moving the drive to Detroit from Grand Rapids kind of signals a sea change. You know, I don't. It was probably because wherever he wherever the driver playing was becoming too expensive, and he goes, we can just throw him in the fucking practice facility for free yeah but you know i think that having the guys close to home might be a little bit of a might be a little bit of an added incentive so who knows you know i think owners like the owner of the raptors like cuban kind of see the future and the future is a robust g league absolutely i mean if you even if you look at other sports leagues you have uh, baseball, they have the the minor league system, which is three, four uh, tiers, as well as they have guys playing overseas in Japan. Um, I'm I'm a big hockey fan, and kind of seeing what they do in terms of you can be drafted by a team. So the Red Wings first round draft pick, uh, they can they can be drafted and they can go play if they committed to a college, they can go play a year at Michigan State, uh, Boston or UMass, and they're still under contract with the Red Wings. They're not being compensated for that. But at the same time, they're on a team. They can go off and develop where both the team and the players seem fit. So I think that I think the NCAA has to really make look themselves in the mirror and kind of take the G League seriously, and also kind of look towards ways that they can help their student athletes reach their potential, both at their universities as well as in their professional careers. So I mean, I think I think the G League is going to play an issue for the fact that. Guys, they're going to want to go get paid immediately out of high school. But at the same time, I think this is going to help the NCAA, hopefully, uh, compensate players in some some manner. I mean, I think the marketing themselves and uh, profiting off their likeness, I think that's a common sense rule that it's, it's tough to argue, argue against. And another idea that I've heard pitched is having some sort of fun that once a player enters the university, whatever – they take a certain percentage of revenue from sports, put that in a fund, and the players can access their own individual fund uh, at the culmination of their uh, graduation from the university and or um, once they declare for the draft and they're out of school. So I think the NCAA has the ability to compensate players so they don't lose them to the G League. But will they do that? I think we all know the answer, and it's probably no. Until they're well, absolutely they'll do it, but it'll be too little, too late. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think yep. – and I think if I'm 
if I want to play devil's <clears throat> advocate here, is that the NCAA was wildly popular while the one-and-done rule was happening, right? So if you think about yeah. the players who came straight out of high school and were successful in the NBA, I mean, you're talking LeBron, LeBron Kevin Kobe. Garnett, Kobe, Kobe yeah. uh, T-Mac. T-Mac, like players like that, you know, but there are a lot of players who came out and busted. because Sebastian Telfair. Sebastian Telfair, uh, yeah. Kwame Brown. You know, players like that. Oh, you know. Kwame. <laughs> MJ broke Kwame Brown. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> MJ on one. MJ, owner MJ. But here's what I think the G League adds a wrinkle. Because if you're the NCAA, you're going, okay, if the one and done rule is put back in or is taken away and players can declare straight out of high school, right? Then you're losing 3%. Of your of your top talent, yeah, right. And the majority of your audience don't watch for the individual players; they watch because that's their alma mater or the school they root for in football, or things like that. And then they latch on to the players as they watch. So I think that. The NCAA is going to continue to fight NIL, which I think it's kind of like, not to get political, but it's kind of like the DNC kind of like forcing out Bernie. It's like NIL is the compromise, you guys. Like if you turn that down, then what comes after is going to be a lot more costly for you. Right. So I don't see the harm in Trevor Lawrence getting money from vlogs on YouTube or being an Instagram influencer. I really don't. I forgot about that. Was that, that was him, wasn't it? No, it was another Clemson player though. That's right. Yeah. Like that was such bullshit. Who does it hurt to have Marcus Bingham be a Twitch, be a Twitch streamer? No. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, if that's what they want to do with their free time. They should do it. But if it helps them take care of themselves while they're in school or help take care of their family, it's so illogical to ban it. I mean, they're like you said, there's no harm, no foul. It's not like they're going against the NCAA in any way. It's just so stupid, some of these rules. Yeah. So I'm going to go on one more rant, and then we'll, uh, we'll get Brett's thoughts on Watchmen. But Zanjo is starting to emotionally cripple me. <laughs> Zanjo, go MSU butt boy 69 um, He's obsessed with one of my tweets And he sends it in the chat all the time He said this is the best thing that this group's ever come up with You know, blah 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 You're, This is the funniest thing I've ever seen He's constantly quoting it He's constantly stealing it for his own purposes And like I'm starting to become deathly afraid That I'm never going to be that funny again so I'm getting fucked with on like a deep psychological level. I, I don't like it. I don't fucking like it. And I know that he's going to listen to this and do it more because he knows it bothers me. Yeah, you're not helping your cause here, but yeah. no. So I might just edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> but goddamn, like it's, it's really not that funny. Like I don't understand. He's Zanjo. That's all you got to know. 
for those that don't know who don't follow me, which you're missing out. I don't understand why you listen to this pod and don't follow me. Uh, uh, all of us. <clears throat> the tweet is as follows. Oppress me, Gretchen. Step on my throat. Spit on me. Oh, yeah, mommy. Tell me I can't go boating. <laughs> and all the listeners that just tuned in to hear our Kenny Goins interview are now gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I like your product. <laughs> I don't like the tweet. I'm out. So that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, um, Sanjo, fucking knock it off. <laughs> you you know that's not going to happen. It's like reverse psychology. I know. Oh, yeah. Brendan knows. Brendan knows where your mom lives, Sanjo. So that means <laughs> I know where your mom lives. He knows where I live. <laughs> yeah, he probably knows who Seth is too. There's a camera in my house somewhere. Like I don't fucking know where it is. Probably in your toilet bowl. <laughs> yeah, one of both of them probably. Yeah. Uh, All right. Before we before we go to Watchmen, I wanted to pl- I wanted to give my thoughts on Peacock. Okay. The indie streaming app. I need to preface that because I think the name is garbage. Um, it is garbage. I'm a Comcast customer. Um, please, no autographs. Um, you know, I I don't need that line forming outside my house um but uh, i got one of their streaming boxes it's kind of a piece of shit it's called the xfinity flex i'm not doing a great job so if comcast ever sponsored us they wouldn't like this this uh segment but uh they gave it to me for free and they said hey you get you get free nbc peacock streaming service premium and i'm like okay cool why not try it out and i have to say i thought hulu's interface sucks but this is probably the worst interface I've ever seen for a streaming service. Really? It's so, it's so confusing. Um, like the, the first part, it, it's, it's kind of, I wouldn't say innovative, but when you get onto the first screen, it's like a breakdown, like little news clips, like, okay, Anne Hathaway talked about something, uh, Brad Pitt's SNL, Anthony Fauci impression, et cetera, little bites. And then there's a channel section um there's three tiers like there's channels there's browsing and um there's searching and the channels are like kind of like a live version of what's going on like there's an office channel with uh like short clips from the show there's a saturday night live channel you know crime channel etc um but the the movie catalog's pretty good they have uh, all the fast and furious movies quite possibly the greatest saga of our generation um <laughs> You know, it's, it's, you know, it's our, it's a, it's a, it's our Star Wars, um, since I shunned the last Star Wars movie. Um, all the Jurassic Parks are on it, which is pretty cool. Um, and, and the movie that they talked about recently on another pod I listened to, Dune, the 1984 Dune, which I've never seen. And I really want to, cause I heard it's really bad, but it's just kind of way ahead of its time. Um, I don't know if the Spartan Dog's seen it. I know uh, it's very, very uh, controversial in terms of how it was made for the 80s and all that. I I give it, on a scale of 1 to 10, probably about a 5 because there needs to be more content, uh, which is coming apparently when it launches in July for everybody. And I think the interface just needs to be changed completely. It's It's so garbage that I think it might turn people off to it. 
And they should just make the name, they should call it NBC Plus, NBC Now. Something that makes you think, okay, that's NBC instead of Peacock, and people go, what the hell are you talking about? So that's my little rant about Peacock, the streaming service. Yeah, I think regarding streaming services, I think a lot of these late players into the game are so they're so eager to try to reinvent the wheel. Like there's no reason yeah. why you can't just copy Netflix and paste your logo on it. Maybe change up the font. Yeah. Like and plus the name is so bad. Like Disney Plus. Ugh. It's Disney plus Marvel, plus Star Wars, right? That's the conceit behind it. It's easy to understand. That's the Disney. Right. And it's in our lexicon is like pop culture, Disney Plus. Right, Netflix. There are movies you can watch on the net. Yeah. Amazon Prime Video. There are videos you can watch with an Amazon Prime membership. Right. Hulu, whatever. <laughs> but it's just... I don't get why they keep trying to just like make the interface so clunky to use. Cause it's, it turns people off. Right. Like that's the most, that's the first thing people see when they log in is, is the interface. And you know, they only gave it to Comcast customers because they can tout signups. They can go, we yeah. had 40 million people Early sign up and all that shit. Right. But it's, I just don't, I don't get why they need to reinvent the wheel. Just give me the shit that's available on your app on the home page. If I want to search for something, I'll search for it. Right. I don't need channels. I don't need this. I don't need that. Just give me what I want. If I want to watch an old asset, if I want to go and watch Gumby or like <laughs> an opera man, an Opera Man segment on Weekend Update, I'll go seek that out. You don't need to show yeah. it to me. Right. I think I just, what's going to hurt it is if you ever get it, like you have to click a lot of sections to find the movies to browse. In my opinion, and I think everyone's opinion, that's, the movies should be right front and center because NBC's universal. That's their bread and butter. You know, they have a lot of great NBC shows, but you have Jurassic Park, you have Fast and Furious, those type of names will bring people to your app. And if you have to dig to go find it, people are going to give up and just Google it or find if it's on Netflix or some shit. That's what's really going to hurt it. I think what's also going to hurt it too is it's not going to have the office at launch. Yeah, I think um, I think it's coming at launch, isn't it? Or am I wrong? No, it's not. It's Netflix, yeah, Netflix has exclusive rights to to uh, to the office until 2021. That's right. Okay. Anyway, that was Peacock talk. <laughs> and speaking of HBO Max, yeah, I don't get HBO Max either. Like, just call it HBO Plus or well, Warner Plus. Like, I don't understand well, why you need to incorporate HBO. I, I thought the original plan was for HBO Now subscribers to automatically just merge it to HBO Max, but apparently that's not what they're doing anymore. No, if you're an HBO Now subscriber. You'll get it. You'll get access to HBO Max. Right. But there's still but two separate. Transform it. And I guess the reasoning is that HBO, the network, has different 
will have different movies than HBO Max because like HBO has mm. like first rights to all 20th Century Fox movies and like exclusive like exclusive streaming rights to the 20th Century Fox movies until 2022. So that's why that's why the X-Men movies aren't on Disney Plus in America at least. They're they're on Yeah, in in America, America. you know, if yeah. you want to use a VPN or whatever, Express right. VPN sponsor the pod. Um you know, I just don't these streaming services, man. It's going to I don't know if any of them are going to start like fading away, but I feel like the rubber is going to hit the road at some point because people aren't getting rid of Netflix. Like I just don't, I just don't see it. Like Tiger King would have been big regardless of a pandemic, but Jesus fucking Christ, man. Like it, it took over pop culture and meme culture for a good three weeks. Yeah. And then the dating oh, yeah. shows they have, I mean, it's kind of like a right place, right time thing, but yeah. those things still would have been huge regardless. And, like, the original content Netflix has been putting out is really good. I mean, they have three Oscar contenders a year. People aren't just going to drop Netflix and join HBO Max. They'll check out HBO Max, and then they'll cancel it. So I just don't – I don't know what the incentive is to join HBO Max outside of Friends, and I don't like Friends. So, Uh, yeah, my wife's a Friends freak, so we're definitely going (laughs) to keep it. I'll trade you. I'll trade you an HBO Max login for a Disney Plus. You can drop Disney Plus and use mine if I can use your HBO Max. I've got it free for another year, uh, or for, till November. And but I can give you my HBO login if you want it. Let's go, baby! Let's go. We're wheeling and dealing here on the Bacon Wire podcast. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's get to Watchmen. Yes. You took our, you heeded our advice. You started watching Watchmen. How's it going for you? I finished it in probably the span of like four days. <laughs> I absolutely you, oh yeah. loved it. Did you watch, did you read the graphic novel or watch the Zack Snyder movie at all? I did not. Um, I actually was talking to Sav about it. Um, he sent me this informational like YouTube video. This is like, I forgot how long it was. So kind of give a backstory of what the show is going to be kind of uh where the movie is, the novel took it. Um, then I binged it, and honestly, it's in my top ten shows of all time. Now I'm not even th- that big into comic books or the different universes, but this show was absolutely—it was perfect. I think everything about that show was at just perfect. The backstories, how everything tied in together, the finale was absolutely—they left off in a perfect spot. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think everybody would want more seasons. I'm, it's unlikely from what I've read. Um, but whichever way they take it, whether they come back for more seasons in the future, or they leave it where it's at, it, the show's perfect. And I mean, I'd recommend anybody who needs a show to go binge it. Yeah. I think, um, if I can recommend two things to you is that read the graphic novel, you know, whenever your library reopens, go check it out because the graphic novel is fucking awesome. I, I reread it once a year. Just like on my own volition. It's, it's really fucking good. And you'll pick something new up each time. So I would recommend mm-hmm. the graphic novel. And then two, I told Sav this, I would recommend that you seek out the Pedipedia. Um, it was like a supplemental, 
material that the show's writer's room kind of put out with each episode. So like each episode has like a memo from Agent Petey or like some kind of newspaper clipping or... I didn't see this. You didn't see that? No. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. It's each episode has like a few, have a few files and it kind of, it gives a little background you know, it's not necessary to enjoy the show. Like, obviously, you really enjoyed it without looking at it, both of you. But it's it's really good insight, and I would recommend it. I would recommend it to anyone who's going to start watching the show now is that, you know, kind of after every episode, if you're binging, just kind of take 20 minutes, read through the Pedia files, and then hop back into it. Yeah, it looks like it's a good little companion for people who – want a little bit of backstory but don't really care to take the time to read the graphic novel which you should but i understand some people aren't good readers or just don't feel like it and uh, but yeah i i've already i just skimmed through it and i'm like holy shit this is pretty cool for some i wish i knew about it when my wife was watching it with me so she could just skim through that and go be a little more knowledgeable about it not saying that she wasn't because she saw the movie but i'm like the movie barely scratches the surface of what the book is. Yeah. The movie is basically all of the action set pieces from the graphic novel in slow motion and saturated and Dr. Manhattan's blue cock. Those are basically the only, those are basically (laughs) the only two things they kept blue hog, but it's a cool thing because the graphic novel has that kind of stuff too, Lucas. Like if you remember after every, after every book, there's like a few pages from under the hood or a newspaper the, the article. Black, the black freighter. Yeah. The black freighter is kind of yeah. like this thing within the thing. And I think they did that really well with the American hero story. Well, they, they made the black freighter a, uh, an extra with the Watchmen DVD, I believe. Yeah. Like Cause Brian it was, Butler was the voice and everything. It was a big deal to have that, on the extras, but I'm sure very, only the hardcore fans paid attention to that shit. Snyder, Snyder wanted it in the movie and Warner brothers said, you're no. fucking insane. Yeah. So like the ultimate cut when the ultimate cut has like, has the black freighter scenes woven into the movie. Like whenever yeah. they go to the newsstand, they're woven into the film. Yeah. I liked it. So, um, yeah, Brett, I'm glad you liked Watchmen. I'm glad you took our recommendation. Um, you know, and I think that's it for us this week. Unless anyone has anything else they want to add. We kind of, this was a rant heavy episode. For people <laughs> who tune in just for the Kenny Gordes that if you're going to be like, these fuckers are angry. <laughs> I just wanted to give a shout out again to Kevin Wiginton for coming on and talking to you and uh, Ryan since I couldn't make it since I was working. Um, I messaged him at like Monday night, you know, saying thanks for coming on. And, you know, I'm going to not going to creep in your mentions. I just wanted to say thank you. You know, I, we really appreciate it. Um, Cause that was a big deal for us and for him too, especially it, it was, and I watched his highlights and I just, you know, hopefully he listens now, but um, I'm really, really fucking excited to see him play. I watch his highlights and he just bullies people down oh. It's so fucking cool. His first, his first highlight is he just bulldozed a kid at twenty yards. It's oh, so brutal. <laughs> and what's really funny is, okay, so obviously uh, Kapilovic was his uh, recruiter here, 
but I happened to notice his offer list in Indiana was one of the people that really went after him hard. And the secondary uh, recruiter, none other than Mike Hart. I just Suck it, bitch. <laughs> well, I guess the little brother wins again. Yeah. So, shardy. you know, Kevin's a good kid. He's a smart kid. He had Ivy League offers, which yeah. they don't throw those around. So, no. you know, we're excited. I'm excited to have him on campus. I'm excited to see him play. Uh, Brett, our newest co-host. Yeah. Uh, two things. One, where can the people find you? Yeah. And two, what song do you want to end the pod? Oh man, I wasn't expecting the second question. <laughs> you can find me at Odell Bredham Jr. on Twitter. Um, I'll keep my other socials private. Um, <laughs> and the song I would like to hear when we log off. I'm pausing. I'm delaying. I would like to hear. I don't know. I'll defer to Lucas. Oh boy. Um, I already Sav already picked Rage. Um, I don't know. We're gonna defer. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass let's, it to. Let's go nerd. Nerd. Uh, nerd? Lemon yeah. by Nerd and Rihanna. Lem- yes. Yeah. Okay. Heck yeah. The Drake remix or just the OG? Just the uh, nerd with uh, Rihanna. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good. We don't we don't stand Drake. We're, Drake is excommunicado. Um, uh, you can find me says. at MSU devotee, um, <laughs> and um, and tune into this podcast. And my wife and I started a little one, the Weekly Whitney. I'm not trying to plug that too much, but check it out if you like movies and TV. You'll it'll be a good listen. Yeah, Cassie has some wild takes about Christopher Nolan that uh, that I'm surprised Lucas isn't like back in his mom's basement divorce papers served uh she she told me those those takes before we went on our first date so i still (laughs) gave her a shot (laughs) so i'm spartan dog 97 uh i'm gonna be i'm the newest member of the blogging staff at spartan avenue so i'm just kind of starting out my onboarding stuff right now so you can look out for my first blog from Spartan Avenue coming soon. Shout out to uh, Connor Muldowney for giving me a shot. And boys, we're out. Appreciate it.
waiting from a thumb like the fawns. Woo, this beat tastes like lunch, but it's running from veneers and it's running from the fronts. But every day, hey, well, lemonade, I was afraid. Once a nigga graduate, would I be okay? So I prayed and I played. It's Rihanna, nigga, my constellation is space. War speed, the spark couldn't chase. Nigga, bath salt, biting speakers in the face. Bath salt, biting speakers in the face. Bath, bath salt, biting speakers in the face. Bath, bath salt, biting speakers in the face. Bath, bath salt, biting speakers in the face. In the face. I get it and I live it. I live it how I get it. Count the motherfucking digits. I pull up with a lemon. Knock she ain't living. It's just your eyes get acidic. And this ain't a scrimmage. Motherfucker, we ain't finished. I told you we won't stop. A nigga by the business. Like yours, which is grinning. Wave the load to the top. Nigga, the vape run guy. Tell the paparazzi get the lens right. Got the window down top, won't lie. Got the hazard on, only going fly. Bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing. You could catch me. What? Wait a minute. What? 